Welcome everyone to ADV Moto Pod number nine. I am your host, Carl Parker, and boy, do we have a great show for you today. For many of us, music is one of the most important parts of any journey in life. It not only underscores the times we live in, but the experiences we have in the immediate moment. Music, like our bikes, are companions to the stories of our lives and in some ways share a lot in common. To paraphrase Aretha Franklin, it's also transporting. It can take you right back to the very moment certain things happen. It's uplifting, it's encouraging, it's strengthening. And in good times or bad, music has been there for myself and many others. But to be honest, some of us simply cannot ride without it. On to the show. Here to talk music, motorcycles, and mojo is today's guest who may be on your playlist as you rock and roll it down the road. Having just released Vi Gash, an album inspired by his riding days and close friends, please welcome three-time Grammy Award winner and Rockstar legend, Steve Vi. Right on. Good to be here. Thank you, Paul. How's it going, Steve? Thank you very much for taking the time to come out and be part of the motorcycle community uh, and releasing an album on it. You know, I mean, yeah. I've done some background uh, and research and stuff, and, you know, I was a child of the 80s. And I grew up listening to you and some of the hottest rock bands at the time, man. I mean, I guess you were pretty young at that time. Uh, but by the age of 18, you were already uh, working with Frank Zappa and touring with him a couple years later. So, I mean, real question is, and I'm sure a lot of musicians have this question, that is, you know, what drove you to be so accomplished and successful that early? Was it pure drive or luck or both? No, it was just my love for the guitar and music. I just really enjoyed the instrument and sounds came out of it melodies came out of it and then i could think of interesting uh songs and interesting ways to play and i would just work on it and then all of a sudden you could do it and it's like every day was christmas you know i just that everything that came out of my career that was successful was a consequence of that one thing my love for the instrument all right on so how did you get the break so early in life? You know, like at 18 years old, I mean, were you just in the right place at the right time? Well, I was, um, I grew up as a teenager in the seventies. So I was listening to all these great rock music, classic rock, Led Zeppelin, Deep Purple, Queen, you know, all that stuff. But another side of my brain was always interested in high information compositional music. I, I was composing music before I uh, was playing the guitar. So when I discovered the music of Frank Zappa, he was doing a lot of the kinds of mixing and matching of, of different styles and things that I really liked. So a friend of mine stole a Rolodex of addresses and phone numbers from a studio in New York City. I was living on Long Island. I was 16, and he brought it to me. He goes, look what I got. He's got all these phone numbers in it, like, you know, Mick Jagger and, you know, Billy Joel. And I'm oh. like, oh, you know, and I'm sitting there playing my guitar. And then he gets to the Z's, and he goes, oh, and I have Frank Zappa's phone number. I'm like, you got what? <laughs> so I started, I tried calling Frank, and when I was 18, I got through to him. And he allowed me to send him some materials and stuff. And uh, he wanted to try me out for the band, but I was too young. So I moved to California when I was turned 20. And that's when I joined the band. Well, that's awesome. And that's a good lesson right there for a lot of people, which is sometimes don't be afraid to pick up the phone. <laughs> right. You, you know what I mean? It's like, oh, they're not going to want to talk to me. They're not going to want to talk to me. But you don't know unless you 
unless you try. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, and I, 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 all the things that have come to me in my career um, have been really a result. They're, they're a consequence of just my love and joy of, of being an artist, a musician. But another thing that was happening back when I was 12, 13, 14 was I, I was just a motorcycle enthusiast, you know. I was building mini bikes and motorbikes and go-karts and anything that I could put together so that I can go, you know. And because uh, I just loved it. I don't know what it was. And all, all through my teenage years, I could never afford a real motorcycle. My brother had a Harley and it was a big-ass chopper. And he uh, hung out with all the biker guys and, you know, they were older than me, but I did everything I could to hang out with them because there was just something about that biker community that I just loved. You know, I noticed qualities in those people. First, they're tough. You know, they're really tough. They don't mess around. They, they like to fight sometimes. They love to party. But there's a warmth and there's an acceptance in these people. They, well, first of all, if you ever talk to a, a biker, and you try to get to them to explain that feeling of freedom that you experience when you're in the wind, you know, they, they, they'll wax on romantically about it because it is truly um, a, a sense of freedom, openness, expansion that you you have to experience and it has to resonate with you for you to understand the joys of it, you know, and, and that was in my blood. And I, I, as soon as I moved out to California, the first thing I did, I bought a little 350 Honda. That's all I could afford. I always wanted a Harley, but I could never afford it. And I would steal my brother's chopper. It was like a 16 over front end kind of a beast, man. I loved it. And, uh, Finally, I moved out to California, and I was that was my main mode of transportation, a 350 Honda. And I would use that, and I loved it. And finally, I was able to get like a 750 Honda, but I couldn't ride it because I had just joined a band. Uh, it was a big band, and I really it was really not a good idea for, for me to take the risks, you know, because, you know, anything happened to that little finger, the whole tour is canceled. Oh, and, yeah, yeah. So for years, I couldn't ride that bike and I would pass it in the garage every day, 10 times, you know, and every time I'd see, I'd go, one of these days, I'm going to ride you again. And then finally, when I left that band, I was walking through my garage and I thought, one of these days, hey, wait a minute, I could ride you today. Hey, wait a minute, I can buy a Harley. And I went out and I bought seven Harleys. Wow. Seven it, it was a guilty pleasure. I, I don't... I don't indulge like that. I don't do drugs. I don't buy cars. I don't buy uh, expensive guitars. I, uh, Harleys and uh, studio gear. I love that. And um, I mean, it took me a year to acquire that. But the great thing that happened was I was able to join the kind of, you know, in, in the late 80s, early 90s, it was like this, uh, the, the, a resurgence of biking. You know, they called it the yuppie biker culture. But uh, all, all along, I had a, a friend at that time that had grown up in Long Island, and his name was John Sombrato, Johnny Gash Sombrato. And Gash was, uh, that was his nickname because 60% of his body was covered in third-degree burns because when he was 21, 
he was riding his bike along these power lines and he got lost. So he climbed one of the towers to see where he was. And while he was up there, the electric arced and it went in here and it came out his feet and it cooked him. And he fell 30 feet onto a barbed wire fence and caught fire and was if you can imagine and then the stories he would tell about just the recovery it miraculously he survived and johnny was this just i, I try to explain i'm doing a lot of press and i have to talk about him and it's so difficult because he was he was so unique this he was a biker hardcore east coast new york long island italian biker tough unbelievably charming and crazy and unpredictable lovable shocking i i can't explain johnny it's but anyway that was him and eventually he moved out to california and we started riding together in the late 80s and and you know when you're a part of the biker community that you get involved with all these great i love this community they're just such wonderful people they they're simple and they love what they love and that's enough you know and we go we'd go on all these great rides all over the place and uh it was like living the life it was one thing missing for me <laughs> uh you know it was the music I, I i was a teenager in the 70s steppenwolf was like the biker music from that period and i loved it but it wasn't i, I i'm a musician and what was so interesting, I was involved in all these other musical projects at the time, and I just had this hankering, this pull, this this demand from my inner being to record a whole bunch of songs that capture that feeling that I feel, that we felt when we're on the road, and also just th that joy and the rock and roll. And, and listen, I'm qualified to do that. You know, I, I, and I, I just did it. I just stopped and I said, what, what do you want to hear Vi? What do you want to hear when you're riding? So I felt that feeling that I loved so much about the community, about the being in the wind. And I, in, in about a week's period, I just stream of consciousness. I went into the studio and I just laid this music out. It was, I only got eight songs and what was interesting was when it came time to, to put vocals on it, I didn't, I didn't have a vocalist. I didn't know that Gash could sing. I did not know. He didn't even know. He never sang rock and roll. He had this beautiful kind of crooner Frank Sinatra voice. Oh, cool. But he never sang rock and roll. But I, I would hear just in, when he would yell or just throw out like a Led Zeppelin line. I said, there's some, what is that? Some, because by that time, I had worked with Zappa, uh, Alcatraz, David Lee Roth, Whitesnake, uh, Pill, Johnny Lydon, the, the Lemmy, Ozzy. I mean, it, I, I'd done so much. I knew that voice. And when I heard, and, and I just thought, okay, let me, I, I tried singing on this record out of a fit of desperation to have something on it. And that was an abysmal disaster because... <laughs> I don't have that rock and roll voice, you know, and I put gash in the studio and I could not believe what was coming out of his mouth, Carl. It was so powerful, so engaging, so authentic. 
He didn't have like the inch of a, 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 a smidgen of superficiality in him. And I was stunned because it was so um, authentic. And I got, we got the songs and we had a blast with them on the road. And I felt I have to flesh out this record and finish it at some point because it's great. You know, it totally checked all the boxes is totally straight ahead. A lot of my career, if you listen to my music, there's a lot of quirky, intense musical stuff, you know, because I like that. You know, my last record in Violet that came out a year ago is an instrumental rock guitar record, which is like most of my records. This is totally different. This was about the energy, the vibe, the experience, the, um, the, the, the joy of it. There's no long guitar solos that show you how great I am. It's melody and it's uplifting. It's uplifting, high energy, fun it's about time kind of music, you know? And, and it's got a message, right? Isn't it when there's she, a great message. she Saved My Life, is that one of the names? Of, yeah. Saved, well, that's one of the songs, She yeah. Saved My Life. Yeah. yeah, that's right. Yeah, it's absolutely fantastic stuff. Now, uh, just to be clear, that's Johnny Gash on the cover of the Vi Gash album, right? That's Johnny Gash, and you can see all of his... He, he doesn't even have nipples, you know? It's just totally... And and he was wild, uh, totally unpredictable, and uh, an incredible bike rider. He... And if you flip it, if you flip the CD and you look at the photo on the back, it's a picture of Gash sitting on his back seat, turned around, and flipping the bird. Nice. There's all sorts of stuff. He would do the most insane. He was the champion in all counties at the slow race. Oh, you cool. know when you, you know you just he could just stand there, and we'd be at a rally or something, and you'd see Gash come down the streets standing on the seat in an iron cross you know <laughs> and he and, and funny so by that point i had worked with a lot of legitimate rock stars lead singers that have that dna that can stand in front of an audience and permeate an arena with their ego they can be completely commanding their confidence is overwhelming and that's what you respond to. That's what we respond to when we see great performers. And Gash was all of that. But I only had eight songs. One of them I had written with Nikki Six, a song called New Generation. And then I had to get back to um, some contractual obligations and finish some records and tour. And when I came, when I planned on getting back with gash and finishing this stuff tragically he was killed in a motorcycle accident and i was so disheartened i took the whole record the whole project and i just put it on the shelf for 30 years wow. and i started listening to it like 20 years ago and it just brought all that back again that and it's difficult to kind of explain what it's like uh, being an artist and and navigating the music industry, you know, you're always kind of balancing your creative impulses with commerce, you know, yeah. everything you do, there's a committee involved. There's the other band members, there's the leader of the band, perhaps there's the, the producer, the engineer, the publicist, the record company, and everybody's kind of, you know, the A&R guy, and everybody's kind of got a little 
piece of it. It's a big committee and it's fine. It's, it's the way you co-create. But when I made this record, like all of my other solo records, I walked into the studio, shut the door and nobody was allowed in. <laughs> nice. There was a, a committee of one. And uh, that's the way I like to work on my solo work. I, I don't want it diluted. Um, I do many wonderful uh, collaborations. I'm a great collaborator, but when it comes to my solo music, I'm usually like precious, <laughs> you know, precious to me. And uh, that's how that gash record was. It was precious. And I, I, at that time I didn't release it back then because I just didn't want to throw it to the wolves because the scene was changing. It would have probably gotten just buried and it, I didn't feel like it was the right statement at the time. And it was too precious. It was just like, I don't want anybody to destroy it. <laughs> yeah. It yeah. Crazy. And, and it's, and it's, and it's easier than ever to kind of get things out these days. And, you know, and it's like, if you have something to say, you can, you, you can just get it out there. And that's, and that's fantastic, you know? And I do have a question though, and it's, and it's slightly off the gas, but uh, I did watch, and we were talking about crazy guitars. I did watch uh, Teeth of the Hydra, and that's a fantastic guitar in there, man. It's like a triple neck, half fretted, half unfretted, and then there's the strings that are kind of strung yeah. in, in between the end of the body. It's a little bit off topic, but could you tell us a little bit about that axe? Because it's it's pretty wild. I actually know artists that already want to draw it because it's, because it's yeah, that crazy. Of, yeah. It'll be a fun draw. Well, it came about just like the way the Gash record came about in a moment of clarity you know that's how we get our inspirations they they just go poof ah oh, i'm gonna do that and the the teeth of the hydra that that seven years ago i was sitting there and poof ah it all it all it, it all came compacted in one inspiration and and then you unpack it you know you unpack it and um does it have I a was, name does it have a name yeah, it's called T. Oh, the, yeah, the guitar is called the Hydra. Oh, oh, okay, okay, it's straight called yeah. the Hydra. And, and the inspiration, you know, if I was to verbalize it, it would sound like you're going to create an instrument that can carry an entire piece of music. So it needs bass, seven string, twelve string, harp strings, um, a computer on it for uh, synthesizer, sampling holds, piezos, all the things that I knew I wanted to have in the guitar. I didn't know how it was going to look until I saw a Mad Max movie and I saw this guy playing <laughs> steampunk guitar and I said, that's it, steampunk. Oh, that's awesome, man. I, so I that's started to research some of that and then I sent, sent it all off to Ibanez and they uh, started sharpening their knives, you know, and they made this instrument. And when it showed up at the studio, I opened it and I was stunned, you know. I, was, I, I thought it was the most bizarre, magnificent instrument, <laughs> guitar instrument and I was also scared to death, you know, because I knew I had to write a piece of music. And I saw myself carrying the whole piece of music seamlessly and elegantly and uh, and, and artistically um, with my, you know, with movement. So it was kind of like a, a giant Rubik's Cube, you know, to like figure out the melody and everything. Yeah, that's anyway, it's a fantastic piece. And if anyone hasn't seen that, just that one video uh, already, it's. It's it's a great watch. I think it shows the the not only the complex but the eclectic nature of yeah. of, of your guitar solo and your music and your musical interest. It's absolutely uh, fantastic, you know. But yeah, so back to you know Johnny Gash. I mean, it, it sounds like you know you were heavily 
impacted or influenced by that community? And, you know, you, you talked about the people and stuff, but how do you think that that community and that kind of tough but loving nature, uh, you know, of the motorcycle community impacted your music? Well, the, the thing is, you gravitate towards those situations that you're looking for. And we all have different social groups that we hang out with. I have, I have like a group of friends that are rich people. Um, I don't, you know, that's not what I necessarily uh, catalog them as, you know, I don't catalog, but I have people, friends that are more simple and uh, you got friends in the music industry. You have friends that are your band members. You have, but the biker culture Nobody's nobody expects anything from anybody except a good time, you know, and you're you're there because you love riding and and some many people are proud of their bikes because their bikes become like art art statements. You see this, you see the the beauty, the the care, the passion that people put into uh, manipulating their bikes. It's a personal they it gives people the opportunity to make a personal artistic statement. And this is vital in your life that you do it somewhere because that's what you're here for. Express your creative potential with others. And it's, it's not, it's not missing in the biker community. That's for sure. <laughs> I had a bike that Arlen Ness worked on for me and uh, was, I, I just sold it. I had it for decades and it was just crazy chopper. You know, it the had a green one. Uh, well, it had some green in it. Green, yeah. Yeah. Right. Right. Okay. Yeah. It's, it was a pan shovel. So it had a, a stick shift and a clutch and giant apes and, uh, was raked and, and stretched to the Dickens, you know, and it was very hard to ride because I didn't want a front brake. That's how challenging I like to make it. And I was really good at it. I, I could, I could ride that bike on a dime, right around a dime. Uh, but you know, at 62, I'm ready for a simpler bike. <laughs> Right. So what's in your garage now? Well, I just got rid of the last one and I'm I'm going on tour for a year and when I get back I'm I'm thinking about a nice uh, you know uh, glider or something, dresser or something. I don't I have to start researching what's available again because it's been a while. Oh, right on. Well, if you ever need any any ideas, of course we're we're big into the ADV stuff uh and they're 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 super fun versatile bikes. Uh, that you can take on and off road. We got that fantastic picture of you in the snow. I think that was with oh, yeah, yes. that was with a was that a forty seven Harley? You said that was a seventy four. Oh, I'm sorry, seventy four. My knucklehead was a forty seven, and it was uh, a show bike, sort of. It had a sidecar, uh, but I I rode it with the sidecar, and then I'd take it off for a couple of weeks, and I put it back on. I loved riding that bike. I just liked the the old and you know with this shifter and all you know yeah but that picture that you have that was uh i believe a 74 shovel 74 shovel. yeah that was fantastic i mean you got that waxed cotton cape on those are really cool man i wish people still wore hey, them and the, and the hat too you had the waxed cotton hat yeah. on yeah i was absolutely. in lake tahoe. that was the bike that i kept at my lake tahoe house and I, I loved riding around the lake oh my gosh it's just the best and uh but it would snow <laughs> yeah that's all that's all part of it you know so, you know, you said that Johnny had this kind of like indomitable spirit. His voice ended up being amazing. And I wanted to ask you, and this is kind of a weird question, but what do you think is the relationship between courage, 
confidence or craziness uh, that we need as writers and and how that can show up in the music or other creative things that we choose to do in our lives. Well, you have no choice. It's going to show itself in virtually everything you do, your your personality, your interests, your the, the where you're at consciously at any given time in your life is going to show itself in your creative output. It must. For someone like Johnny, he he was untapped, you know. When I got him in the studio for the first time, I just knew immediately and instinctually he was he was honest with what with his art. He didn't he wasn't trying to be something or anybody. He and that's the way bikers are too, you know, that most of the ones that I know, they just like what they like. They like the people they like, they like the experience, they they are not in you know the drama and you know any of that stuff. They like that feeling and with with Johnny I could absolutely absolutely make the correlation between his voice and the way that he rode his motorcycle no doubt man because he was he was in charge you know when you're when when you watch somebody riding a bike and you think they're out of their mind you're not them you know you johnny was in control you know <laughs> most of the time i guess uh and I feel that way too. You know, when I get on a bike, I'm not a daredevil like he was, but I always felt, all right, now everything is good. I'm in control, you know? So, but the way he rode, he was totally unpredictable, total daredevil, and he did crazy things. I mean, what killed him, he had uh, he had various bikes and, and one of them was a, uh, I think it was a Ducati of sorts. But uh, he had a double turbo, and the turbos sucked the air in, and the bike went and it flipped. Backwards. Yeah. Wow. 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 So that, yeah, that, it's one of those things. But, yeah, there is a correlation because if you, were, if you had the opportunity to watch him navigate the bike, navigate his personality with bikers, and anybody, any person, and then you heard that voice, you'd say, of course, of course he sounds like that. Yeah, absolutely. We And we definitely encourage folks to go check it out. And that scene that you describe of this guy just like dirt biking in the, in the middle of nowhere in Long Island, and I'm sure it was less developed then uh, than it is now, and climbing up to the top of an electrical tower to get his bearings, then getting arced on. It's almost like out of a comic book. Yeah. You know, like and you almost really expect cool. Yeah, one other thing I got to add, later on, and there's photos of this, Gash had a tattoo put on his entire back. It's just, and what it is, it's the electrical tower that he climbed at the top, and it's, it's him falling, getting electrocuted with a, an angel coming down from his shoulder and reaching out for him. Wow. It's fantastic. Wow. There's little flames and everything, and it's a t it's just amazing. Wow. Was there ever any photos of that tattoo captured? Yeah, it's uh, in the record. Oh, okay. That's cool. That's cool. Yeah, I didn't see it in, in the PR material. I don't think it was it was in there. But if it's in the album, I'll be sure to check that out. That's just absolutely fantastic. There's only, a few, there's only a few photos that exist, and uh, they're not great photos, but you can see. No, that's 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 absolutely fantastic. But yeah, man, I, I I could totally see that being illustrated in a comic, like 
and then he comes down, and then he comes out, the end, but he has got like superpowers afterwards or something. But in essence, he did. He did, man. You know what I mean? Like, you know, and and and, and here, here's a question: People go through these these kinds of experiences. Like in his case, it was physical and mental. Sometimes for people, it's just mental, you know. But you know, these are these are formative, pivotal, changing experiences in people's lives. You know what I mean? Uh, do you think, even though it was a tragic situation, that it made him a better, stronger person in the end? Well, I'm a. I believe that every experience we go through in life is is in our best interest, whether we see it that way or not. We gain tools that are vital in to in our to to learn and own our independence. We go through suffering of our own making. It's not anybody else. It's not in the outside world. It's here. And we, 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 we see things a particular way. And if the way we're seeing them is dysfunctional, then we suffer the consequences. And eventually the suffering gets so bad, you surrender. And you eventually find your independence from insanity. Uh, that's in that you believe is in the outside world and i think with with someone like gash he and everybody's different he didn't let anything stop him he didn't cry victim even for a moment he accepted himself beautifully bravely independently and we loved him for that i mean he his ear was just burnt off and it was pretty horrific looking and he had a prosthetic uh, ear he never wear it he's like I, I you know he, he didn't care about any of that stuff wow so you would love them i'm telling you he would have made the greatest rock star absolutely absolutely awesome so now that some of this is in your rearview mirror you know what did you learn about yourself and life in general from writing and being exposed you know to the writing culture well i was always a part of it see, quietly you know, when I was a kid, all through my my youth, and then through my adulthood, uh, I did it quietly because I'm also a rock musician, and uh, you know the 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 uh, uh, one of the cool things to do when you're a rock musician is take photos on a motorcycle so everybody knows you're cool, and I never <laughs> I never really wanted to do that because it's superficial. I was a real biker in a sense, but. Um, I didn't, it was very, I was very quiet about it. I love the community. They're, they're good people. I just, I go, we would go on these rides to the rock store to various places out to Malibu, up to Angeles Crest Highway, all the way up to Carmel, where, where that community thrived. And I just loved it, you know, and uh, I miss it because I haven't uh, engaged in it in a while because I've been you know, touring. Busy, yeah, yeah, yeah. Primarily, my biggest motivation is music. I love that more than anything. Yeah, yeah, that's entirely understandable. So, what do you think musicians can get from learning how to ride, or or, or riding? You know, like what is there about the motorcycle riding experience that you think might might empower or something somebody to to play? Well, in order to get on a motorcycle, you have to have a pull to do it. Yeah, you know, and then once you're there, if you're fearless and you're you, you not fearless, but if you just 
enjoy that experience, it, it can flower and you can become part of that community. But uh, what was the question again? How- oh, yeah. So what do you think musicians can get from writing? Oh, well. I mean, if they're cool with writing. <laughs> yeah, if they're cool with writing, one of the, well, one of the connections that I get when I'm on the mo- when I'm on a motorcycle, when I'm on like a I'm a, I'm a Harley guy, you know. Sure. And when I'm on that bike, there's a, a, this amazing feeling of just freedom and and joy, enjoyment, and and just nature and and power. You you there's a power, you know, and it's just nice. And when I'm on stage and I've got that guitar and and it's that's that electric energy is coming through me and i'm with the audience that it's there's a similar kind of a thing there so maybe perhaps this is just a thought if you're free on stage you might find that coming out when you're riding mm. You're not so free on stage, meaning you're caught in your head, you're afraid you're not good enough, anxious, anxious, nervous, you know, all this thing that blocks your joy. If you get on a motorcycle and you discover that joy, you might be able to kind of transform it onto the stage. Right on, right on. You know, yeah, well, you know, I mean, it's all it's all good ideas. When earlier, or early in my writing career, I guess about 20 years ago, I remember I called some guy who was making some lights, and he was a veteran. I think he was in the Korean War. And, uh, you know, we started talking about one thing, got to another. And uh, he said, uh, if I could, like, if I had to go into a, a combat situation and mm-hmm. I had to choose, you know, my, my, my squad or crew around me, he said, I think now almost all of them would be motorcyclists. And I said, well, that's interesting. Why? And he paused for a second, and he said, I think it's because they don't have the same fear of death as other people. You know? Could be. I don't I don't know if it's a lack of fear of death, but it's more of a confidence when you're on the on on the road. It's mm-hmm. a confidence that you, that I think bikers have. I can only talk about it because I've felt it. Yeah. You know, when I I could be laying in bed at night and going, "Oh my god, did I really ride there? Did I do that? Did I go there? Did I carve traffic like that <laughs> oh well, that's crazy what do you you know anything can happen you know the, the people can come you know how crazy drivers are and yeah. blah, 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 blah. but then when i'm on the bike i'm like fuck that shit i've got this you know i'm just like i got this so there's a confidence i think that bikers feel i don't think it's a um I think the lack of fear of death is at the same proportions in the biker community, perhaps, as it is in most other communities. Mm. But when you get your hands on a bike, if that kind of thing resonates with you, the, the confidence is there. Yeah, right on, right on. And vice versa, what do you think writers could get from creating music or some other kind of creative endeavors you know i mean like like as as a writer i mean obviously a lot of writers listen i i listen to music and the helmet almost bopping around on the helmet down the road and stuff like that but you know that's listening is not necessarily the same thing as creating you know i mean when you yeah if you're a, a bike enthusiast there's a process you have to go through to be able to get on the road and feel that freedom 
you have to learn how to ride. You got to learn how a bike works. You got to learn how to pull the clutch and you know whatever it is. There's a there's a learning curve, and while you're going through that, there's thinking and there's you know okay we're gonna let you know you know but then eventually that develops that develops that develops and you're you're confident you're not thinking about any of that stuff so that's very similar to playing the guitar there's a period that you go through where you got to hone your skills you got to hone the vessel you got to learn about your instrument and you get on stage and at first you, you know it might be am i in tune am i playing the right song um, am i doing okay you know all this stuff but then eventually you, you work on it, you evolve, you evolve, you evolve, and then you're on the stage and you're feeling as free as when you're on a bike. Right on. So it's know what you want to do, follow your passions, practice, 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 and do it. That's it. Just do it. Yeah. Follow your bliss. Right on. Right, right on, right on. All right. Last question. Uh, again, thank you very much for your time. But uh, do you have any words of wisdom for anyone looking to get on a bike for the first time or to pick up an instrument for the first time, like to learn an instrument? Any, any, any words of wisdom? Well, if, if, if you feel a pull and you're like, I think I'd like to ride a bike, you know, or I think I'd like to play the guitar. I got, you know, uh, that's beautiful. And you want to cultivate that. You, you want to watch when you're feeling anything resistant like fear like yeah i want to play the guitar but how am i going to make it in the world and become famous and how is everybody going to know how great i am and what if i fail and i'm not going to fit in and where am i going to get the time okay that's your enemy and that's in your head so you have to cultivate and hold on to the jewel of your desire to want to do it and then it unfolds beautifully and i think the same and of course you got to learn certain ropes and whatever and i think riding a motorcycle is similar of course there's things that are different you know but if you have a pull enjoy that pull and and learn it carefully you know learn how to be the boss when you're on there the best you can learn the confidence learn the things that will give you the confidence to ride beautifully i'm fortunate i'm 62 i've been riding since i was 12 i've never gone down i've never had an accident uh, knock on wood yeah i mean once i stopped and dropped the on bike. a corner or something and the bike you know a couple of times i've just dropped the bike uh but never luckily knock wood yeah all good <laughs> and uh you follow follow the rules there's nothing wrong with that they're helpful and enjoy all the things that you do enjoy and of course i don't need to say be fucking careful man don't do stupid things they you know they just don't work sometimes and you don't want to be part of that sometime that it doesn't work and other than that um i think there's um there's there's a good time to be had in both fields but it's up to you and it's here yeah, yeah. Just, just as a quick tag on to that, you know, it happens, especially in the motorcycling world. Yeah. Someone on their own says, "Oh, you know, I think I want to ride a bike," right? But then you get all these people around them, and artists, whether it's music or visual arts or whatever, they get the same thing. It's you know, for a bike, it's like, "Oh man, it's dangerous. You're going to kill yourself." Like, are you crazy? But it's art. It's like, or music. It's like, like you know, it's like you're wasting your time. You're never going to make anything from it, right? So you get that same kind of pushback. What do you say well, about that? Well, that's your, that's somebody else's fear. And you have to make a decision on whether you're going to buy into it or not. 
how how independent are you? You know, when somebody says, you could ride a motorcycle. Do you know how dangerous that is? You you can get killed. And, you know, that that's their fear. Okay. Now, of course, there's risks in doing anything, you know. So, uh, you, you have to decide when your desires are more important than somebody else's fears. <laughs> that's, that's, that's really well put. That's really well put. Yeah, and let me give you a clue. Let me give you a hint to a fact. This is a fact that will never change no matter what you believe. You are the boss of you. You are. You who's thinking your thoughts? You. Yeah. Can anybody else think your thoughts? Yeah. And no. and you have to take responsibility. You you are responsible for your thoughts. Yeah. The question is what is the quality of the thoughts you're thinking? And how much do you want to change them for your own independent, fearless, enjoyable life? And what can you be for others? Are you going to be that voice of fear for others? You should never play guitar. No, what I say in regard to that to guitar players is forget about the future. Forget about the, 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 the things that you feel you have to do and play the guitar because you love it now. Right on. Now, play it now and enjoy it because that's what I did. That's all I ever did. Everything came as a consequence of that one thing. I love this, man. I just love this. And guess what? I can do it because I'm the boss of me. Yeah. 100% relevant crossover there to writing. Yeah. Yeah. It's all, it's all very direct. Well, awesome, man. Thank you very much. Uh, it's, been, right, it, it's been fantastic having you on. Uh, let me just go ahead and, and, and cl- close out the show. But uh, also thanks for, you know, the message, your new album, and wanting to be a part of the writing community. All right. Thank you, Carl. Well, uh, I encourage everyone again to check out his new album, Vi Gash, which uh, we'll link in the descriptions and comments below. You can also visit vi.com to stay up to date on his uh, European and USA tour, which is going on this year. Also follow at ADV Moto Mag for a social contest to win a signed album from Steve Vi himself in the coming weeks. But to end it, Steve highlights for me what I think is a very important component of not only adventure riding, but riding in general. The motorcycle community is vastly diverse and with riders of all backgrounds, talents, interests, and dreams. Through the journeys of our lives, we've met countless people. Many of us would not be where we are today without their goodwill, help, and compassion. And I hope, in the hustle of everyday things, that we take a moment to remember them, revisit those golden moments of the past, and do everything we can to ensure that karma and goodwill continues through us for others. Thanks again to not only Steve Vai, but to everyone tuning in wherever you're watching or listening Let us know what your favorite writing tunes are and what music means to you on your life's journey. Until then, may the spirit of adventure forever be the role in your rock and roll.